Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, bonus uh, edition of Game and Word, featuring gamer and uh, pirate historian Matt McLean. Uh, Matt, do you want to say a few words? Uh, welcome aboard. I'm glad to be a part of Game and Word. This has been a, a fascinating journey. Can't wait to dive into. Uh, pirate history and how video games treat that history and how they weave back and forth between them. Uh, this is going to be a great ride. Generally speaking, like uh, what's kind of like your assessment on how on how good a job they do of that? Uh, in general, there's a lot of them that just slap uh, skull and crossbones on anything random and call it piratey. I mean, literally, if you give your character a pirate hat and a cutlass, um, mm -hmm. Skyrim can be you know, a pirate game, you know, so to speak. You know, right. If, if you're standing on a ship and you're holding a cutlass, well, close enough, right? There's the games that just put the uh, the appearance on it, just the the facade of piracy. And there's ones that actually take time, do some research. Um, I mean, Assassin's Creed, you know, Black Flag was, obviously they changed a lot of things. You have the whole, you know, their mythology behind everything. The names, the events, a lot of the the interactions are a lot more realistic. And there's games like, you know, Sid Meier's Pirates, which again, given that you have to play through game mechanics as a player and you have to make it fun, you have to make a game mm -hmm. of it. Yes. Um, games like that, that, that actually set out to be more historical tend to, I think, do a, a, a surprisingly good job of it um right Myers pirates dates back to the 1980s i guess it was a commodore 64 game apple II mm -hmm. game and then they remade it in 2000 and again like 2012 maybe you know going on and on but it's essentially the same game under the hood they haven't really changed the history of it but they did a decent job getting most of it right granted things like you're in the buccaneer era hanging out with henry morgan and then Bartholomew Roberts shows up <laughs> from 1720 and 1666. You're like, hmm. But, you know, again. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's kind of like, it's also like in civilization. Right. Right. Yeah. It was suddenly you, during the ancient You can play era. historically. Or you can go to Alpha Centauri in 1700, you know? Yeah, exactly. G given the game players are going to find a way around it, they're, they're going to run out of content if they limit themselves to what only happened, you know, in 1715. Mm -hmm. So... There's the games that try that try and do a good job of it historically and given what they have to work with. And there's games that just, you know, put the the look and feel on it. And then like Sea of Thieves, for instance, is just mm -hmm. a free for all uh, without yeah. bothering with much of the history behind it. It's 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 giving you the environment and a sandbox to play in, but it's not trying right. to be you know, right. Historical it's kind of like. Right. It's, it's, it's basically it's it's giving you the archetype. Right of uh, of the pirate um, versus the um, like the, the the reality of the pirate. If you do play Sea of Thieves, I'm always looking for crewmates. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is right. Yeah, specifically ones that aren't you know bulls. <laughs> yeah, knowing my life, I'm going to show up and they're all manatees. So right. I had a, a funny thing happen to me this morning. Actually, I was um, so I was. I was I was on a sloop, you know, open crew and all that. And this guy joined me. He was clearly, you know, like clearly like out leveled me by like a factor of at least 10. Right. And so we all get set up, whatever, you know, like uh, we get our provisions on the ship. We're en route. We decide on a voyage, whatever. And that I'm just, you know, kind of wild at time playing my hurdy dirty. And, 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 this, and the stupid shoots me overboard. <laughs> he just shoots me overboard. <laughs> yeah, that's CFP for you. That's. 
<laughs> yeah. That's that's a whole game in a nutshell right there. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> but um yeah, so uh so so what are um your favorites? And I mean I know you mentioned kind of uh you know like Sid Sid Mayer's uh Pirates and we talked about Assassin's Creed, but uh even like kind of like ignoring the 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 historical accuracy part, uh which pirate games uh do you personally enjoy uh, the most? Um, I mean, there's, I get a lot of historical piracy in the things I do outside of gaming. So, um, you know, just research and writing and things like that. So it's when I'm gaming, it's like, yes, I've seen that before, but it's like my wife teaches dance at the college level. So when she watches serious performances, that's one thing, but when she watches, you know, like a random TV show that has a, a dance bit thrown in the middle, she just like turns her head and says, can't watch it. She's like, nope, I, I can't look at that because all I'm going to do is nitpick. So right. sitting in through the history, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. They actually got that right. They're, they're pretty accurate there. But then I find myself bogged down. I'm like, ah, no, no, it, it, that was a Bartholomew Sharp expedition. That wasn't Morgan. You know, that was mm-hmm. 1692, not 1688. And I'm like, now I got to stop and take a step back. He's like, okay, chill. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Tropico for Pirates Cove. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not the general history of Pirates the game. So right. uh, we can just let it go. But like, so when I tend to play, I have, if I'm looking to have pirates in a game, I have to make myself not be worried about historical accuracy. Something like right, like Risen Two, which is a complete sword and sorcery fantasy world, but it takes place on ships and islands. So. Mm-hmm there's there's a lot of shipborne activity and and you can take the pirate route in your playthrough and and it's again it hits the tropes but right. without even trying to keep itself too seriously and right. uh, you know games like uh what was it uh pillars of eternity 2 dead pillars of eternity, dead fire that was named David pillars, pillars of eternity dead fire which um fantastic role playing game um, if you like the old Baldur's Gate style RPGs, mm-hmm. it's, it's the next step. But again, it takes place in a very, you know, coastal islandy environment. And you can follow that route and you can deal with those characters. And you can just sort of hang a hat on it and say, okay, this is as pirate as it's going to get without mm-hmm. having to worry about the history of it. Because if I want the history right. again, I got a whole bookshelf over here that's of course. it's packed with history. And, and uh, I got a hard drive full of uh, articles and 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 chapters and things and like sometimes I just need to step back from the pure realism. So and and uh, like uh, there's a link in my desktop right now for Pirate 101, which is a kids game. And mm-hmm. I was playing through Pirate 101 for a while just as part of the Twitch series. And I'm like, you know, this is this is absolute, you know, kids clickbait. Please pester mom and dad to pay for mm-hmm. some real money loot box uh, kind of yeah. game. But just to kill a mindless hour or two, you know, um, hacking away at skeletons wearing skull and crossbone tricorner hats. Okay. <laughs> you know, right. It's, I, it's that or cookie clicker. So, you know, I'm <laughs> right. Pick, pick your poison. Right. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I feel you, man. My, my, my daughter, has, yeah, she, uh, I, 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 right there. As, as a fellow father, you, you have my solidarity. Yeah, my, my kid was playing Wizard 101 for a long time. This is years ago. They're over it now. They're playing Wizard 101 like, Dad, 
there's a pirate version of this same game. It's called Pirate 101. I'm like, eh, really? But then I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll check it out. I'll stream it a couple of times. I have a character in there that's like level whatever. And and uh, it wasn't one of those things that you can like play like a father-daughter adventure together. It's just more like over dinner, like, hey, I got up to level three and I found the golden coconut, you know? And, right. and they're like, really? I found that too. And, and okay, we can bond over that, but it's not multiplayer enough for me to hang out with them and like, you know, get a session going or something you know so it's right that's what is it is what it is it's just a, a time killer so all good totally yeah so um what uh what got you interested into piracy just as a as a to- as a topic of of scholarship or inquiry whatever you want to call it and ask the same question but i'll go first um since <laughs> you asked um i just years ago i randomly read david cordingley's under the black flag I just needed a book to pass some time. I don't know, walking through an airport or something. I don't know. I just had to have something to read. I saw the Scully Crossbones on the cover. I'm like, that looks cool. I read it. It was really interesting. And then a few years ago, um, this, I, I just it, something just struck me. Like, you know what? I'm going to reread that book. It was interesting back then. I think I remember it. I reread it. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Something just clicked. I was hooked. I'm like, I've got to learn about this. And one thing about Cordingly's book is, and it's years old now, it was a few right. decades back now it's been superseded i think you say that in in your blog they're mm-hmm. newer and better but he m- mentions a lot of really obscure pirates people who don't appear in anybody else's work or who only get mentioned in his book and nowhere else like he he found some newspaper clipping from the 1700s and just said oh cool name wrote that down and no one else has a copy of it because it's buried in the british archives somewhere right um and i'm like like, okay, everybody knows about Blackbeard. Everybody knows about Steed Bonnet and everybody knows about Bart Roberts, but who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Who, who's, who is Joseph Farrow? Who is, you know, John Bear? Who are these guys? And I went looking for info on some of the, you know, lesser known names. There's nothing out there. Not in a quick Google search anyway. The name comes up, but like there's, there's, there's nothing immediately that jumps out that has a life story. Like, you know, there's, a monument to Steed Bonnet in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. Um, is there now? Yeah, there is. Um, oh. There actually is. Uh, um, somebody in the uh, pirate subreddit posted a picture of it, I think yesterday. Um, said, we got to find this guy's remains. Like, there aren't any, but <laughs> there's a monument. Um, and I started looking for these obscure pirates, and there wasn't anything. I said, you know what? I'm going to fix that. So I, I picked a list of names, just a few, and I said, okay, Thomas Wake and John Farrow and William May. And I'm going to search what happened to these guys and find out. And I'm going to add them to Wikipedia. So the next person to go looking for them, uh, when they type in, you know, Joseph Farrow Pirate, it'll be the first link that comes up and they'll have a quick bio of him and links to the people he hung out with, if he had any influence or if he just died obscure, whatever. So I did. And it was as soon as I did the first one, I'm like, this is cool. And of course, when you find one, you find info on another, and then you're down the rabbit hole. Right. And I started writing Wikipedia articles for pirates. And I ended up writing a whole lot of Wikipedia articles for pirates, almost all golden age, a few buccaneers. And before I knew it, I had, had, I had done so many of them. And again, I didn't do the big ones. Bart Roberts is already there. Blackbeard's already there. I'm not going to touch Steed Bonnet's article because it's a mile long. It's a novel in itself. Um, but all these little guys that, and it started fascinating me because I live in South Carolina. So 
a lot of these people came to the Carolinas and like, hey, I've been to that place, that river that guy sailed into. I've been there. That plantation uh, this guy visited when he got done pirating. I've been there. I've seen these things. I've, you know, I've walked where this guy walked. And I'm like, I have all this information. And I started finding all these connections, you know, local places right. people have heard of. And I'm like, I got to do something with this. Yeah. So what... But like I said, I just I, get, I started finding all this info on these obscure guys, and and I started adding in the Wikipedia. And before you knew it, I had done like a hundred or hundred and fifty Wikipedia articles on obscure pirates. And when I have all this research on all this stuff I've compiled for, I'm like, you know what? There's no excuse for not going further with this, turning it into you know an article, a book, a blog post, you know, and. Rather than just sharing it through Wikipedia and hoping somebody stumbles across it to actually go out there and like start posting some of this stuff. And, and it just stuck with me, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I won't say it's an addiction. I keep the bookshelf under control. It's <laughs> awesome. What, what do you think it is about pirates just as a, um, oh my goodness. you know, just as like a, like an archetype that like, that fascinates people so much. I think it's the same archetype, the same fascination you'd find with like, the wild west mm -hmm. or with vikings yeah um it's that kind of oh, God. it's an adventure we can't live today things right. we can't do anymore and things that not only we couldn't do but wouldn't do today <laughs> right as much as you know you read a book by marcus redeker like villains of all nations he wants to paint mm -hmm. pirates as um it's a fantastic book if he wants to paint pirates what, as kind uh, of what like, are you doing? <laughs> freedom fighters you know um, yeah. fighting evil merchants and taking down you know the east india company and and establishing capitalism and and fighting for american freedom versus european domination that's that's great but they're also pirates right thieves they're robbers they are uh, looters they uh, uh murderers they and worse we can we're so far removed from it that we can pull out the adventuresome aspects of it and kind of separate ourselves from the more squeamish parts of it. Right. The same way we could again with like the wild West or, you know, uh, uh, 1930s mobsters or something. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, we can, we can put ourselves in those shoes and imagine the adventure of it without having to deal with the reality of it. So, right. You know, it's, that kind of like uh, brings me to um, this this kind of thing where it seems like, you know, we live in a world where people can't hold more than one thought at the same time, right? And everything has to be either or, right? And it's like, and that's kind of like what I talked about establishing kind of like my benchmark for, you know, for judging a game on on accuracy is, you know, like, you know, how well do they capture the, the, the dichotomy, right? Right. On the one hand, you know, pirates, yes, you know, like being... Uh, you know, innovators, you know, very much like social innovators and democracy and um, and equity and whatnot, mm -hmm. while also being, you know, brigands and 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 murderers and and torturers, right? You know, I mean, it's, they're not mutually exclusive, you know. Yeah, but absolutely, yeah. and that's when people bring up the you know the freedom fighter aspect. I'm like, yes, but, but. it's also this, mm -hmm. and and it doesn't nullify it. Right. And uh, at the same time, yes, they were also doing these things just like, you know, it's like they some pirates like Blackbeard had his crew was uh, two thirds, uh, two thirds black, for instance. Right. 
Um, Bart Roberts crew was like half black or of African descent or freed slaves or um, American and Amerindian natives, um, you know, but at the same time, if they caught a ship full of slaves, they'd sell them. Right. So yes, they can fight for social justice, but at the same time, Money. their motivation was not social justice. Right. Not entirely. There are some guys out there who like, you know, uh, fight the man. Uh, um, we're here to, you know, fight against base merchants and cruel masters of ships. That was um, William Fly, I think, said that. But at the same time, if he's like, you know, when he gets on board the ship, he immediately puts an axe to the captain, you know, shoots <laughs> anybody he resisted. So just as long as we can keep both in mind. And again, like like you said, a game like Black Flag does a good job bringing up the fact that, yes, these guys were doing all all these all these things to to fight against, you know, oppression and uh, that there was a lot of corporate and government villainy and a lot of complicity. At the same time, they were also thieves and betrayers and mm-hmm. there was no honor among thieves. And there was it, it, it they, when they capture that web, that convolutedness of it. Um, that really does, like you pointed out, make for a, a, a more realistic portrayal of at least the the behind the scenes aspects of it. So, yeah. And it's, it's funny because when you have, and I think it's even more like Stark, um, like if you like play the game versus like walk, watch like um, like a Let's Play, because um, I didn't realize this at first, uh, but it actually makes perfect sense to play your character. Uh, Edward Kenway apparently mm-hmm. is based on Ned Lowe. And that actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, as the player character, you're doing a lot of hacking and slashing and, you know, and Very violent you know, things. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, so yeah, so not, so not only does it put you in the middle of it, I mean, it makes, you know, you're like, you're perpetrating uh, a lot of this villainy while also fighting a different type of villainy. It's a, uh, and yeah, and that's that's a lot of what made the golden age of piracy, yeah, you know, um, attractive as a genre. And Ned Lowe, I think it was like I believe it was him and his consorts and co-captains who did not want to. If you, if you meet a, a skilled sailor and you're short of sailors, you'll press them to serve you. You know they didn't like it when the British Navy did it. But the pirates would do it themselves. You know you don't have a carpenter and you're a surgeon. You find a surgeon. Yep. What was the name of that you. poor? What was the name of that poor surgeon who um, who was hiding out in the Bahamas? Like, for, uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember. I don't remember the surgeon's name, but I remember him. Like, like he had a choice of being pressed into service with the French yes. or with the English, mm-hmm. and uh, he hid there. And the Frenchman came and grabbed him at sword point until I think it was Hornigold came up and said, mm-hmm. "No, I'll give. I'll protect you, but you're coming with me." Right. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're going with somebody you might as well go with people who speak your language so yeah um but yeah that that did happen but like i believe it was ned ned Lowe who didn't want to press into his service and this is one of the most violent pirates out there didn't yeah. want to press into his service married men men with a family and again this 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 guy is one of the most gorily violent pirates out there <laughs> yeah some of it maybe is, is very likely exaggerated to give him a bad name. We get that, but enough witness accounts say that he was awful, that he's awful. Right. Um, it, it was um, Shipton and Spriggs and the other guys who served with Lowe and later had captainships of their own, who 
pressed Philip Ashton in the service. And Ashton's story is one of the best pirate stories out there. It's real. It's authentic. There's a great book on Ashton's story called um, At the Point of a Cutlass uh, by Gregory Fleming. It's a fantastic book. Um, but Ashton's story called Ashton's, Ashton's Memorial is available free online. If you haven't read it, it's, it's quick and it's an easy read. Would you mind giving a quick little synopsis for our yeah. listener? Ashton was Ashton was a sailor. Just again, we just talked about this. Uh, pirates, when they, if you're short of crew in the early days, you know that the buccaneer era wasn't a thing. But by the late golden age, you know, the late 1720s, especially, you know, the days of 200 men crew were over. If you had 20 men, you 20 men in your sloop, you you're you're done. Uh, Ashton's crew, well, Ashton's ship was captured. He had some skill, and these pirates said, "Okay, all the unmarried men." Step forward. And someone whispered to Ashton, hey, you seem like a nice guy. Tell him you're married. He won't take you. And Ashton, like, why would I believe this pirate? This pirate's telling me to, like, say you're married. I'm not married. So he told him I'm not married. And, of course, if he had said that, they put the married Mm -hmm. men in a boat and shoved them off, let him go. Mm -hmm. So he ended up pressed into their crew and served them. He tried to escape a a couple of times. And each time, like... One time he saved himself by diving in the cargo hold and hiding. And one time he like another pirate he'd been nice to like protected him. Like, you know, don't hurt that guy. But he got on their bad side and would not sign their pirate articles. Didn't want to be associated with them. Just like did everything he could to get away from them. And finally they put in at the island of Roatan, which is off of Honduras, I think. He requested to be part of the shore party. And someone said, yeah, yeah, sure. Come on. We could use an extra hand gathering supplies where they had to fill their water casks and things. And as soon as he got to the shore, he turned around and looked and the other guys were off, you know, gathering, you know, fruits and things. He took off running into the bush. And Roatan is, it's got a beach and a jungle and not much else. And they searched for him and yelled after him and threatened and bribed and he wouldn't come out. And finally, they just left him there. So he's trapped on this essentially deserted island, um, alone, shoeless, no supplies, um, in the middle of a jungle. And he's there for like a year and a half. It's a Robinson Crusoe story, but it's real. And and it's very much like if you know who Alexander Selkirk is, Selkirk was marooned on a Pacific island um, in one of the Buccaneer expeditions. And uh, Selkirk was stayed in, he stayed in the islands uh, for a year and a half, almost, I think. And he was rescued by William Dampier. Um, who recognized him and uh, Selkirk's story is widely thought to be the the basis for Robinson Crusoe. But you also have this story that wasn't in the Pacific. It was right there in the Caribbean um, of Philip Ashton. And uh, he eventually like Spaniards came to the Island too. And he hid from them because the Spaniards would have put him in chains and taken him away. So even though that was a, a salvation for him, he had to watch, you know, he had to watch his, and they knew he was there. They heard him and saw him. They couldn't find him but he had to watch his salvation sail away because he knew that could be even worse than being left alone. And this long story of, you know, it's very Robinson Crusoe, like making a shelter, um, finding things to eat, discovering what he could and couldn't eat, putting together a kind of raft so he could paddle over to a neighboring island because the mosquitoes were so bad, they were eating him, literally eating him alive. So he had to find this little like rock out in the middle of the Atlantic to sit on because the breeze was strong enough the breeze hit shore, it just hit the jungle and stopped. It was dead air. But when the, out of this little rock, 
he could at least get some rest because the breeze would keep his mosquitoes off. And he, and his feet got torn up because he had no shoes and the island is full of rocks and shells. And it's this long survival epic. Um, but Ashton's Memorial, if you Google it, is available online. Mm-hmm. It's just a few pages. A preacher he knew wrote his story down when he came back to civilization. He eventually, this old trapper came to the island, met him there, and left him like a rifle, a knife, um, and a canoe. And the trapper went off and disappeared, and he's never heard from again. So the guy's like, um, the guy left his stuff here. He didn't come back for it. So Ashton did the best he could, survived on it. And eventually he met some baymen, logwood cutters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were a really rough bunch, but he said, you know what? I can't stay here any longer. Got in with them, eventually made his way back to civilization. And the scary part is the same pirates who marooned him there came back to the island. They came back to Roatan a couple of times looking for him and just got, because they knew they could get, you know, food and water there. He would see a sail coming back, a sail, I'm rescued. And they, oh my God, it's Francis yep. Briggs. It's the same guy. It's Richard Shipton. It's the same guy whose ship I just jumped out of and swam away from. So Ashton's story, again, is a fantastic one. It makes for a good read. Even if you don't buy Fleming's book, read Ashton's Memorial, the short version. Again, online, it's free. And it's just a great survival story. And it's a great background on these pirates. Again, doubling back in a long conversation, even some of the cruelest guys like Edward Lowe, we talked about this, that whole dichotomy, like a lot of role-playing games, I've heard your main character described as a murder hobo. <laughs> she travels from place to place, <laughs> slaughtering every bandit in their way. Um, but somehow, supposedly, like, you know, freeing the country, saving the kingdom, defeating mm-hmm. the evil wizard, whatever. And in Black Flag, yes, you're doing that. Literally, you're wiping out like pirates and raiders left and right. Um, at the same time, you're trying to complete this whole long, you know, convoluted time travel quest. Right. Uh, so yeah, it really, it really is a good a good depiction of kind of the the duality that's going on there between like trying to accomplish something good in the long term, but going about it in in the in the guise of a murder hobo. So right, like you know, it's kind of yeah, like you know, at the end of the day, you know, does does the end do the ends justify the means? Right, and obviously to them, yeah, and it's like um, Jacobite pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacobite pirates, there's been a lot of good literature written on them in the last few years. A lot of them named their ships Jacobite names, you know, the Royal Rover, the Queen um, Anne's Revenge, Anne's Revenge, the Royal James. Um, they would drink toasts to the old pretender. Charles Vane and his crew drank toast to the old pretender. Damnation to King George, you know. But a lot of it was just on the surface. Like they would spout the slogans, name their ship. But you didn't see any of them sailing back to France to join James III to raise an army to go put him back in the throne of England. Mm-hmm. They're using right. these slogans and the phrases and the tropes, but it's really just on the surface. And a lot of that whole like we're going to fight the 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 fight the man, fight the power was a lot of talk, but in reality they're not Robin Hood. When they say we're going to rob from the rich and give to the poor, the only poor they're giving to is themselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. So, yeah, the other stuff's kind of more to ease their conscience then. Right. Again, some, some of it is just to give themselves a veneer of respectability, like, oh, we're fighting for James III, the old pretender. We're, right. Or we're fighting to avenge 
poor sailors against cruel merchants. Um, and some of that was, like you said, just to ease their own conscience, like we're not really robbers, we're doing this for a cause. And some of it, I think, was recruiting tactic. Hey, we're not just robbers. We've, we've got something good going on here. And some of it really was just sloganeering to, if we're captured, we can say we were really doing it for this purpose, or right. just to give themselves a sense of unity, like, we're going to say we have this uniting cause to bring us all together because, you know, we all hate the East India Company or we, you know, uh, we all got the shaft because the merchant owed us two years with the back wages and never paid us. So we're going to, you know, hold a mutiny. And, and in reality, of course, they just wanted to, you know, loot ships until they could retire. When it comes to kind of like engaging people in history more generally, what a, I, I would love to hear kind of like your thoughts, like on video games as like a possible sort of like, like, like pedagogical tool. Um, Cause I do know, uh, you know, I, I know more than a few people who were inspired to, um, you know, to become historians, you know, from playing civilization back in the day. Right. And, I, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed's probably also, you know, like, like grooming a whole new generation of, of, of such folks. Right. What do you feel like are some kind of like like the advantages and maybe and maybe some of the pitfalls of, of using video games uh, to uh, to get people interested in history? I think we touched on it a little bit and you've talked about it in your blog post a couple of times that like there's the realism aspect of it, um, how the game is going to communicate fact and history, but they have to manipulate it to make it a game. Whether it's just pure game mechanics or whether it's altering the setting, like Sid Meier's Pirates, great game, but you know, you're encountering figures from the 1720s while you're sitting in, you know, 1666 or something. So they're altering again the game, the, the history, the historical you know, uh, aspects of it to turn it into a game. And that can, I think, lead people astray a little bit until they get enough into it to do their own research, obviously. And mistaking some of the game mechanics for like, for like, oh, pirates did this because, you know, why did pirates use cutlasses? Why did they load their cannons with, you know, explosive shells? Okay, they didn't use explosive shells. They used, they did use a lot of different kinds of shells, but not those. Did pirates use grenades? Yes, they use grenades, but maybe not in the same way that like, you know, our mm -hmm. game character would have. And can one game character change the whole game universe? Arguably someone like Henry Every or you know, Bartholomew Roberts or Henry Morgan had that influence on other people and made a big, a big change in the world. But it's, it, it's very different than what they have to let your character in the game do. And I think that's, it, it can easily lead people astray. And like the History Channel, for instance, the History Channel put out some games. <laughs> they put out like, I forget, Vikings, Great Battles of Rome. They put out the Civil War, Battles of the Pacific, et cetera. Um, Legends of War, Patton. You know, they've, they put out a series of these games. They weren't, none of them were highly regarded as games because to be a game, you have to be game enough to bring people in and keep them interested. You can't just have accurate history, mm -hmm. but without having entertainment enough in it, which is why a series like Black Sails um, did well. And they have a lot of historical elements. They're like 
again, they're like the live action version of Black Flag. Um, mm-hmm. They name drop so many historical pirates and recreated so many historical incidents. Um, you know, the sinking of the treasure fleet and, and Hornigold establishing the Republic of Pirates in Nassau and things like that. Um, and, and Vane being deposed for uh, Calico Jack. But with enough alterations and dramatizations to make a series out of it. Right. And you also have the main character based on essentially Long John Silver, like having Edward Kenway, mm-hmm. you know, meeting all these mm-hmm. historical figures, you know, inserting somebody from outside of history so that they can either take part in events or influence events or at least meet all these event makers in a way that keeps it entertaining. And I think that's right. like the consistently the ratings you see on History Channel games. Yeah. It's, it's uh, or like, what's the other series that came out alongside Black Sails? Um, Crossbones. Crossbones came out around the same time and was panned and didn't come back for four seasons like Black Sails um, because it just wasn't good. Um, and I never watched it. I, I've seen just the trailers and a couple episodes, but I didn't like, you know, binge watch mm-hmm. it or anything. And again, it got that wrong. You have to be good enough to be entertaining, to pull this off, to bring people in. And with luck, like Black Sails, like Black Flag, you've done enough of the history work on the side that people start asking, okay, who was Benjamin Hornigold? Mm-hmm. You know, this... Edward Teach putting lighted matches in his in his beard is that did that actually happen? You know, if you get people asking those sorts of questions, you've done your job on the history side while still being entertaining, staying popular, making enough money that you can keep this going. And that's mm-hmm. it's a hard balance. And there have been so many failures of games out there. And there's some that like Sea of Thieves is for people who already like pirates not for people who have any interest in pirate history because that's out the window. Um, right. Whereas a game like Sid Meier's Pirates, you you can get into it if you like pirates, but if you know the names and you you see, you know, uh, Henry Morgan on the cover, you're like, I know that guy. And not just from rum, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can, you can bring in both crowds. Yeah. If you um, just kind of wrap up, if you want to plug your pluggables... Uh, now's the time to do so. <laughs> sure. I, I am I'm thrilled to have been a part of and helped out on Game and Word. Um, uh, uh, I did write a bunch of Wikipedia articles. They're buried under a different username. But if you look up the obscure half of Golden Age Pirates on Wikipedia, that's probably me. If you want to read about them under my name, though, uh, look up Matt McLean. I'm on Amazon. I wrote, um, in 2019, I wrote A Merry Life and a Short One, Unhelpful Self-Help and Terrible Advice from the Golden Age of Pirates by Matt McLean. That was 2019. Um, a pirate self-help book in which I go over actual pirate history and facts, um, but pull out some, some helpful tidbits from them and awful advice that pirates would give you if they weren't trying to press you into service. Um, and then in 2020, I came out with a book called Piracy Papers, primary source documents from the golden age of piracy. Uh, Piracy Papers was an homage to one of my favorite pirate books called Pirates in Their Own Words by Ed Fox, um, which collected a lot of first-person accounts, historical documents, unpublished manuscripts and things, compile them in book form, 
Um, so people looking for literally pirates in their own words could see beyond just what's in books like the general history of pirates um, and see what the pirates right. actually said for themselves and see what people said about them um, from the time period. You know, the, if you think general history was based on newspaper accounts at the time, you can go back in, in books like um, Pirates in Their Own Words or in Piracy Papers and actually read those newspaper accounts. You can read this, the uh, sermons preached at pirate funerals. You can read um, accounts of pirate interactions with famous figures like Isaac Newton and Ben Franklin. Really get a sense of what different aspects were like, uh, both from the sides of the pirates themselves, from their victims and survivors, from the colonial officials that had to deal with them. Um, and that inspired me again to make piracy papers. And I've got a couple more in the works. Uh, you can find piracy papers and Mary Life and a short one on Amazon right now, um, paperback and Kindle versions. Um, I'm going to have a book, heaven willing, I will have a book on the not pirate Thomas Green coming out later this year. Green is famous or infamous for contributing to the union of Scotland and England that became Great Britain. Inadvertently, of course, because he was dead. And it was his death that contributed to it. He was in no way whatsoever a pirate, but he was accused and executed of piracy. Um, and his death helped inspire the act of union that caused the formation of Great Britain. So it's a great backstory. And it's a lot of um, original period documents um, surrounding Thomas Green, his trial, his life, and the events that led up to his really unfortunate demise. And as, you know, thrilling stories of uh, uh, Scottish judges who didn't want to find him innocent because they feared for their lives. One minister's carriage was overturned on the street from an angry pitchfork-wielding mob who demanded that he find this guy guilty. And he's like, uh, okay, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just the... The, the backroom maneuvering by the people who wanted the act of union to go forward and then were afraid things like this would derail it. Um, mm -hmm. And then hopefully, don't know if I can manage it this year, but I'm going to try I'll, to get a book out about some of the pirates who influenced the Carolinas, which is my home. Um, everybody knows about Blackbeard. Everybody knows about Steed Bonnet, the gentleman pirate. Um, Blackbeard blockaded Charleston. You know, Steed Bonnet made his escape you know, from jail and Charles, but there were so many other pirates who influenced so many things in the Carolinas, pirates who retired and bought an entire island off our coast, um, pirates who uh, sailed up a river that I grew up fishing when I was young. And I'm like, I never knew that like the mouth of that river, you know, had a pirate sitting in it. Um, and when I say, oh, we, we're going to fish the sandbar, that there's a pirate who you know, escaped a bigger ship by sailing across that sandbar because the pirate had a ship with a shallow draft and knew he could make it and the other ship couldn't. And, you know, the, the place we go every year to pick out a pumpkin from the, the pumpkin patch is a plantation whose owner was kicked out of the governor's council because he was found guilty of uh, conspiring with pirates because that's how he made his money. It wasn't off his plan plantation work. It was off of gray market smuggling. <laughs> The pirates and little stories right. like that just weave throughout the Carolinas. And the, the more I dug, the more I found them. And like Blackbeard's fascinating, but his influence was limited to holding Charleston hostage for a couple of days once. Mm -hmm. But there were so many pirates who had more influence whose names we don't know. And those are the guys, again, coming from a history of starting writing by being fascinated by the obscure pirates. Those are the mm -hmm. stories I really want to tell. And, um, Hopefully I can get to that this year. If not, who knows? It'll come. 
Uh, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, uh, Matt McLean, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Best of luck with Game & Word. I wish you the best because it's some fascinating stuff.